Our sermon text today is found in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. John chapter 15. Jesus is instructing his disciples on, again, that eve of his betrayal. Uh, It seems like they had risen from their meal at the end of chapter 14. At least he said, rise, let us go from here. And so we don't know exactly where they were as he gives this instruction in chapter 15. Perhaps they were walking. Perhaps they stopped on the way. Uh, We know that they were headed to Gethsemane um, uh, on the Mount of Olives, opposite Jerusalem. But sometime that night, uh, as Jesus gives instructions. These are some of the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples. And in this passage, he especially teaches them about union with him and communion with him. And if I ever use the word communion, I also mean fellowship. Those I use as interchangeable words. Or even participation, this sharing of life from Christ to us, which we have because we are united to him. Now, those are kind of theological words that we use, but Jesus uses a parable, uses an analogy. And this passage, as he speaks of a vine and its branches. So listen as I read in chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you love, so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. 
O Lord God, we give thanks to you for revealing these things to us and giving us access to your word. We pray that it would be edifying and useful for us, that we would be built up uh, by it. We pray that you would be glorified in this, that we would receive your word, that it would abide in us, and that it would bear fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said earlier, in this passage, Jesus teaches his disciples about union with him and communion with him. Abide in Christ is the, uh, is the, is the call, is the command. Uh, abide in Christ is the exhortation. Why should one abide in Christ? Because life and salvation come from him. Without him, you are cut off and will shrivel up and die. Abide in him that you might live and bear fruit. There's many analogies that have been used in the Gospel of John that present Jesus as the source of life. Can you think of any of them? Can you think of how Jesus gives us life? He's the bread of life. He's the giving the water of life, right? Uh, He sustains our life. He sends the Spirit who's the giver of life. He is the life. He is the resurrection. Well, here he says he is the vine. In verses 1 through 3, we have the basic parable, the basic um, uh, illustration here, the concepts that he's going to weave throughout the rest of this passage. Jesus says that he is the true vine, just as he said that my flesh is true blood and my my blood is true drink here. Jesus is the true vine, you know, the... uh, the, the reality uh, that is represented in this way. Uh, he is not merely a vine that produces earthly fruits, but one that gives eternal life and spiritual fruits. His father is the vine dresser, and there are two kinds of branches on this vine. Some branches do not bear fruit. Some branches do bear fruit. Some branches do not abide in the vine and therefore don't produce fruit. And they are cut off and thrown away. Some abide in the vine and do bear fruit and remain there and are pruned, but that is so that they might bear even more fruit. Now, picture a grapevine. That's probably the type of vine that Jesus is talking about, a grapevine. And a vine like other plants, like trees, uh, you have branches, and sometimes they bear fruit, sometimes they don't, sometimes there's problems. Sometimes they need to be pruned, where you cut part of it so that it produces better and actually sends out more leaves and fruit and, and becomes healthier. Well, every branch in Jesus, so the branches are people, right? The branches represent people. Every branch in Jesus that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. They will not abide. They will not remain. Uh, They will pass away into judgment. We'll get to that more in verse 6. But those are disciples who do not share in the life of Christ by faith. Those who prove to be false disciples. Those who are covenant breakers who have owned this covenant, who have perhaps received its signs and seals, and yet do not 
observe the condition. Do not embrace Christ by faith, do not abide in him, and do not bear good fruit. And so they are taken out and do not receive the inheritance with Christ. But every branch that does bear fruit, what, is the, what happens to them? Now you'd expect something like every branch that does bear fruit is going to remain or something like that. Well, he says every branch that does bear fruit, the Father will prune. Now the word there is the same word as translated cleanse, uh, katharos, uh, to, to purify uh, to cleanse. And in other contexts, like in washing the feet, it means to, to cleanse. Uh, here, though, in speaking of a branch, it gets cleansed by being pruned. You know, so it's translated fittingly as pruned. But then Jesus goes on in verse 3 to say, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Uh, we're talking about sanctification. We're talking about being uh, purified by God. But of course, the analogy, the picture is that of a branch being pruned so that it might bear even more fruit. These are disciples who do share in the life of Christ by faith in him, who abide in him, who produce the fruit of love and good works. The Father continues to sanctify them so that they would love more, so that they would bear even, uh, do even better works or more of them, to be more consistent in the way they follow, follow Christ. And so the Father continues to sanctify them, to make them more fruitful. Now in verse 3, like I said, we learn that there is uh, this cleansing, and there is both an initial cleansing and a progressive cleansing. You are clean already because of the word that I've spoken to you. The disciples of Christ, the true disciples of Christ, have been cleansed, have been purified, have been pruned. Uh, but there is also a further work that God does. And we also learn from verse 3 how they are pruned, how they are cleansed. How is it? Because of the word that I have spoken to you. God sanctifies the people of Jesus by the word. Especially by the word, I should say. There might be other means that he uses. He can use trials. He can use the sacraments and prayer and We'll get to some of those things, but especially by the word. In fact, in, verse, in chapter 17, verse 17, just a little bit further, when Jesus is praying for his disciples, he prays to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so they are sanctified by the Father, by the word, God's word, which is truth. So as we hear God's word, it convicts us of sin. It causes us to turn from it unto God. We are built up in faith in Christ. And more and more, we are impelled to, to love him more and to do that which is good and right. It prunes, it cuts, it cleanses. In verses 4 through 5, there's a focus on those who do bear good fruit. Um, Jesus, starting to move from the metaphor to the reality, he talks to his disciples and says, abide in me. So not just abide in the vine, now he's identifying himself. He's saying, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now to abide in Jesus the word is to remain, 
Uh, it's to persevere in Jesus, to participate in Jesus, to have fellowship with him. As a branch abides in the vine, if the branch remains there and continues to, uh, to be connected to the vine and, and draws the life from the vine, it's going to bear good fruit. What happens if the branch is not in the vine? It dies. It dies. That's exactly right. It doesn't bear fruit. And it can't bear fruit if it's dead, right? If it's not going to abide in the vine, even if it's technically connected to it, but it's not receiving any juice from the vine, any of that stuff on the inside of the branch, it's not going to live and bear fruit. And so that's the way you should be with Jesus. You should remain in him, connected to him, and receiving from him. It's a continual and mutual thing. Abide in Jesus, and he abides in you. Just like God was with Joseph, we saw this morning, right? He was with him wherever he went. Well, so be with Jesus wherever you go, and Jesus be with you wherever you go. There's this abiding union and continual sharing between a branch and a vine. So there's this abiding union and continual sharing between Christ and those who abide in him. So a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, right? If you just cut off the branch and lay it over there, are you going to get many grapes? Yeah. No, no. I'm not going to get any. <laughs> Will it live and bear grapes? No, it's going to wither and die. It bears fruit if it remains in the vine. So, even so, you only have eternal life if you abide in Christ, if you are connected to Jesus, if he is yours and you are his. You can only bear fruit of love and good works if you abide in Jesus and draw life and salvation from him. Jesus is the vine. You all are the branches. Whoever abides in Christ and Christ in him, that's the person who bears fruit and much fruit. Just as he said, I came to give life and life abundantly. He came so that you might bear fruit and that you might bear much fruit. For, but apart from him, you can do nothing. And Jesus there speaks of our inability apart from him. You are dead and lost apart from Christ. You cannot bear good fruit apart from him. You are dead, uh, spiritually dead. Uh, you are opposed to God, alienated from God, depraved in uh, every faculty. You are not con- those who are not connected to Christ cannot please God, cannot save themselves, cannot submit to God's law, will not submit to God's law, will not receive the word of God. They cannot do anything if they are not in Christ. They are, we are helpless on our own. It's only by being connected to Jesus that we can live and do anything good, to bear any good fruit, to even reach out to him with faith. God needs to unite us to the vine by the Spirit, who then works that faith to unite us to him. And so eternal life is found in Jesus. That's where the life is. That is where salvation is. It's in Christ. He purchased redemption by his deaths, and now it's, it's contained in him, as it were. Uh, that's, that is where salvation is. But this life and salvation is not going to do you any good if you remain a stranger to him. He will be of no benefit to you unless you are engrafted into Christ and abide in him. Without 
faith in Jesus, you're like a branch cut off, receiving no benefit from the vine. What's the benefit a branch receives from the vine? Life. And the ability to grow and to bear fruit. That's how the life manifests itself. And we receive this benefit from Jesus when we believe in him and have this fellowship with him. As we therefore uh, act upon that faith and follow him and keep his word. So this is both a call to conversion to the lost. Come to Jesus Christ that you might be saved, that you might have eternal life. This is where God placed eternal life and is offering it to you. It's in Jesus Christ. He is the vine. But it's also a call to perseverance. If you are one of the branches, if you are Christ's disciple, to remain in the vine. Do not forsake the fountain of living waters. Do not forsake this place of salvation. Do not be led astray from the hope of the gospel. Do not forsake Jesus or neglect him. Remain and hold fast to him, for he is your life. Now verse 6 gives us the warning what might happen to those who do not abide in him. If anyone does not abide in me, Jesus says, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Uh, God compared his people to a vineyard or to a vine in the Old Testament, And a lot of the passages have to do with how he hoped to see good fruit and it didn't produce fruit. And he ends up tearing it up or or burning it up. The passage we read in Isaiah 27 is actually one of the more positive passages about Israel being a, a vine or a vineyard. Even that, though, part of the passage speaks of God judging his people who had proven unfruitful. And what happens to the branches? They're thrown into the fire. The women gather them and throw them into the fire. Uh, And Jesus uses that analogy here, not about the whole vine, because he's the vine, but about those branches that are there that do not bear fruit. Some branches do not have fellowship in Christ. They do not draw the nourishment from the vine and bear fruit. They might have an outward union with the vine. If you looked at it, you'd be like, well, it looks like it's connected. But their internal union or communion with the vine is faulty. It's not working. It doesn't, it's not receiving that life. And how do you know that there's something faulty? Because it's not bearing fruit. They might flourish for a time. They might send out some leaves, but they usually shrivel up and begin to die off and get clipped off. Well, that's the way it works with some of those who begin to follow Jesus who are included in his people, who might be baptized and live with the people of God and yet are hypocrites. That might be that outwardly, who have entered into the bond of the covenant and committed themselves, engaged themselves to be the Lord's, and yet have not abided in the vine. Whoever does not abide in Jesus is thrown away like a branch and withers. And what use is a dead branch from a vine? The only use is for it to be gathered and burned, which literally is what would happen to branches of vines, but it's also an image of hell, of judgment, of wrath. So we don't want to be cast away. We don't want to be judged. So rather, let us embrace Christ. In verses 7 through 11, we learn more about this fellowship, more about this communion, more about this 
I guess the more common word today is relationship, although it's kind of a weaker word. But this relationship that we have with Christ, uh, that we have his words, he starts to use that interchangeably with him, where he says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Oh, earlier he said, if you abide in me and I abide in you. Well, how does he abide? He, we receive his words by, by faith and we embrace them and lay them up in our hearts. To, to uh, receive him is also to receive his words and to uh, let them dwell within us. He gives us his words. We embrace them. We keep them. We ask. We pour out our desires unto God that we seek help from him, that we might have the strength, that we might grow, that we might receive the sp- be filled with the Spirit. And Jesus says, ask. For these things and you shall receive whatever you uh, it will be done for you and then he also speaks of how the father is glorified when you bear much fruit and prove to be christ's disciples the father loves the son and so the son also loves his people of course the father loves the son not only eternally but also as as the christ and we are loved in christ and so it's a great thing that the Son is loved by the Father, and the Son loves us, and we are called to abide in his love, to rest in his love, to experience that, to rejoice in it. And again, love and commandments are tightly connected. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Uh, I think that's very much a similar sentiment as the previous chapter in verse 23, where Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, That it's part of this relationship that we have, that we love him, we keep his commandments, he loves us, he abides with us, that this is this fellowship that we have now with God as those who are in Christ Jesus. And... Jesus teaches us these things so that you might have joy, that you might share in the joy of Christ, that Jesus is joyful, and that we might be joyful as well, that your joy might be full. This is good news. In verses 12 through 13, we see that some of that fruit that's being spoken of is love for one another. That is what he has commanded us. When he wants us to keep his commandments, that's one major commandment, a summary of many other commandments, that you love one another as he has loved you. That's what you should do. That's what we should do. That's the commandment he gave us. But what kind of love did he love us with? Well, he goes on in verse 13 just to describe it was the greatest kind of love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. There is no greater love than the love he showed us as he laid down his life for the people he loved. Of course, we were not very much friends in one sense when he died for us. We were sinners. We did not deserve such a death. But we were friends because he loved us. Uh, the, the Greek word for friend is literally from the word loved, uh, loved ones, uh, from the word phileo. 
Jesus embraces us as his friends. Even though even these disciples would scatter and, and soon not stick by him in just a little bit, that night even, and yet he would lay down his life for them. He would lay down his life for you. And that is the love that he has shown for you to save you by his death, by his agony, and he would have you to love one another in the same way. Finally, in verses 14 through 17, we learn more about Jesus and his friends. You are friends of Jesus. You are those for whom he died. You are not slaves of Jesus. You are friends of Jesus. Now, Paul will call himself a slave of Jesus, probably because he was a minister of Jesus and had a particular job. But more common language is... uh, is not, or I should say the more common use of the word slave of Jesus is those who are his ministers. Uh, the reference to believers is more often disciples and saints and believers, and in this case, he even contrasts slave with friend. Uh, we are slaves in the sense that we ought to do all that he tells us. He is certainly the Lord, but he is, we are not slaves, and we are his friends in the sense that he tells us what he is doing, that he shares with us all that he has heard from the Father, all the message that the Christ would proclaim, that he has embraced us in love um, and has brought us near that we might have fellowship with him. No longer do I call you servants, and there that word is uh, literally slave, For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Again, there's this fellowship, this sharing, that he has made known God's will to us for our salvation. Now I should say, you are the friends of Jesus for whom he died. Uh, You are the friends of Jesus if you do what he commands. Now he adds that qualification. Again, if you abide in him if you are truly his disciples if you do what he commands like love one another as he has loved you that is a mark of his true friends it's not the basis of the friendship but it but it is something true of his friends that they will love him and keep his commandments again doing so more and more as they're pruned jesus treats you as a friend by revealing the Father's message to you, and then Jesus calls his people to himself. He's the one that chose us. He's the one who calls us to salvation. He's the one who appoints us that we might go and bear fruit. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you. I called you. Uh, he is the one who, to, who brings us as his disciples. We could not do anything apart from him. Now, he is the one who chooses us and appoints us that we might bear fruit good fruit, because we abide in him, and it is all of his grace. And so let us abide in Christ. Life and salvation come from him. Abide in him that you might live eternally and have that eternal life from God that you might bear fruit. Jesus is the true vine. Hold fast to him therefore, as the source of your life, the source of your salvation, that you might not be cut off and judged, but rather endure forever. Draw life from him and live with him. Embrace his word. 
Keep his word. Give your words to him. Pray to him what you desire. Pray for strength and growth. Love one another. All those who also share in this fellowship. Because all the branches in the vine, guess what? They form one big vine. The branches are part of the vine. It's similar to the idea of a body that has many members. So the one vine has many branches and they form one vine. We are to love one another. Rejoice in the reality of this blessed union. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through the word of God, through prayer. To him be the glory. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for giving us eternal life and in your Son, that we might receive this life by believing in his name, and that we might therefore live in this fellowship with him and with you and the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would strengthen us, that we might bear more fruit, that we might be more lively in your service, and that we would be more sensible of your love and of all the fruits of your salvation, that we might rejoice in our joy be full. We pray that you would cause your people to flourish, that you would fill the earth with the fruit of the gospel, and that the whole earth might be filled with the life that comes from Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.